tired? All right, let's, let's pray. Father, uh, we do ask tonight that, Lord, you would bless this time. God, as we open up your word, we thank you that, God, we could just lift up our hearts in music. I thank you. I thank you for gifted musicians, Lord, that you've given the church. I thank you for songwriters and, and, and uh, those who put those lyrics together and that we're blessed by those. And, and Lord, we can enter into that throne room. And just as Johnny prayed that we would sit at your feet, and Lord, I pray that now as we uh, just continue that heart of worship in your word, and Lord, you would bring us so close to you. And as we look at this scripture again, it wouldn't just be a story from a couple millenniums ago and reading about somebody doing something incredible and, and maybe even looking at them and saying, man, that's, you know, that's for them, not for me. But Lord, we would understand the same God working through Mordecai, working through Esther, working through that situation is the same God that we serve. And I pray that we would know and understand no matter what our situation is, no matter how good we're doing or how bad we're doing, Lord, that we can count on you. So I pray that, Lord, you would open up our hearts, that you would bless this time, and that we could leave here tonight encouraged and strengthened, Lord, in our faith, and we could serve you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, here we are. We've kind of been, uh, obviously, in the book of Esther, we've kind of had the, the downs so far. Esther kind of has ups and downs, but it's been mostly down, right? We started here and just, and crashed and burned and, and had Mordecai do his, or I'm sorry, Haman do his thing. Now we're at that point where Haman's getting outed and going to get busted, and, you know, it's always one of those things. Uh, I was telling uh, Pastor Jack this afternoon as I was studying, and, and uh, I talked to him for a moment, went back in my office, and I said, I'm going to go try and convince Haman to repent. You know? <laughs> so, you know, when, do you ever read your Bible and, and kind of like, come on, man. It's, you're so close. You should be able to see what's going on. It's all closing in on you, man, and you should be able to do it. And, and uh, you know, I, I do pray that sometimes my Bible would change. And I know you're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to change a word. But, man, I just want, I want good to happen. And so in this situation, again, we need to realize that the Jews are in a really, really bad place. And it's gotta be a time where they're absolutely freaking out and a time where you know, you're looking at it and they have a decree of death in just a few months. And so imagine, put yourself in that, and they haven't read the end of the story, they haven't even read this next chapter yet. All they know that is in a few months, they're all gonna get wiped out. That's what they know. And Esther knows that. Esther's heard that. Mordecai's heard it. They've kind of started some stuff in motion, hoping that it's going to work. And she's gone to the king. He's put out the scepter. That's where good. He invited, she invited him to come. Remember, come and eat. And then she says, you know what? Now that you've come and eat, can I ask one more thing? Sure. Can you come and eat again? And he came to dinner. And then she goes, now that you come and eat again, one more thing. Can you come and eat in a couple days? And so now we're at that point where we're there and, and uh, Haman's having a fit. He's, he's been disgraced. He's had to parade Mordecai around. Remember that whole situation happened? He's had to parade him around. So, hey, it's tough on him, but there's still the banquet, right? So we left him off. He's at home whining to his wife. 
And remember, she earlier told him, hey, you need to kill that guy. You need to kill that Mordecai. So he built the gallows. And then now after he got kind of busted with Mordecai, she goes, well, he's a Jew. You're dead meat, right? And I'm thinking, he told you a while ago he was a Jew. So we went through all that. So now listen, he's kind of trying to process that. And those guys come and grab him. It's time for dinner with the queen. So that's where we're at, right? He's running into that banquet hall, running into that place. And look what happens, verse 1 of chapter 7. So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, what is your petition? petition and Queen Esther said uh, or Queen Esther it shall be granted to you and what is your request up to half the kingdom it shall be done so once again now this looks like this was a two-day event right on the second day of the feast and some of this says while they were drinking their wine so it's the wine time I guess but once again he says what is your request now this is the third time he's asked her that and I'm thinking do not, do not ask him to dinner again. Like, we've got to get through this, right? You've done that. It's like Esther, and, and again, imagine her position. Why is she stalling? I think because she's genuinely fearful. Fearful for her life, fearful for those around her. How do I put this? How do I word this to the king so that the things get done that I really want to get done. I don't want to see these people hurt. So, so he says, what is it? Then Queen Esther, in verse 3, then Queen Esther answered and said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. So I love how she starts this. Listen, she doesn't say, hey, we got to take care of the Jews, because this decree was made against the Jews. Here's what she says. Hey, king, can I have my life? My life is threatened. My people's life. So now she's coming out to the king that she's a Jew. He didn't know that. And right now he still does not completely know it. He's going to know it in a minute. But she's saying, can you spare the life, my life, and the life of my people? I love that. I love how she, she puts it in a way. And then she lets him know what happened. She says in, in, in uh, verse 4, 4, we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Now let's think about that for a moment because here's what she says. She says, we've been sold to be murdered, to be slaughtered. Who sold them? The king, Ahasuerus, remember Haman said, I will give you this money. I will take care of this. Now listen, she's not putting it on him, but hey man, that's gotta be a little bit of a dagger in his heart when he finds out. He still doesn't know all that's going, but hey, we've been sold. Now that's gotta upset you. Hey, this is your queen. You gotta be a little, who did this, right? So, so she said that, oh, and then she finishes it and she says this, look, at, in the middle of that, she says, she says we've been sold and, and uh, uh, you know, and then she it says uh, to be annihilated and then she says, had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. Now, the end of verse four, I think in the New King James, it's like just gets messed up. Like you're reading it and going, what? Do you, you guys ever read your Bible and do that? Like, what? And you read it again, what? 
And my Bible never answers me. But like you read it, it doesn't make sense. Here's how the NIV puts it, and, and uh, I know some of you are a little freaked out, but it's okay. It says, listen, if we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. Here's what she's saying. If we would have been sold as slaves, we would accept that. That's fine. I wouldn't have bothered you with this. But we were sold to be murdered that's intense, right? I mean, think about the king trying to, now think about him trying to process this and how did this happen? What went on? How did, and I'm the king. How did this happen under my watch? What was I not paying attention to, you know, in the last four or five months or, or whatever? He's gotta be trying to process everything and it has to be intense. So she says, listen, man, we've been sold to be murdered if it would have just been for, for uh for uh, slavery, I could accept that. So verse five, so King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he and who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? Now, let's, let's kind of get in the emotion of this, right? You're at dinner. You've been having a big banquet. You've been hanging out. And now all of a sudden, she brings this up. You think he's a little heated right now? Yeah, I think he's very emotional. Like, who? Who, what, when, where, how? You know, I want to take care of this. I want to get this done now. And so, you know, I could kind of just see him even like standing up. And who would do such a thing? This is my kingdom. How could this? Who's doing this? And Esther said, verse 6, the adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman, whoa, like he's there enjoying dinner, right? And it's like, he just choked. (laughs) Who did this? Right there. Now process that for a minute. You're the king. This is your right-hand guy. This is a guy you raised up and you gave all that authority to because you saw potential, you saw saw good leadership, you saw all these things, and she, the queen just said, him, that guy, that guy sitting right next to you, that guy chewing on the lamb, it's him. He's the one. He's the one. And, and Haman, look at Haman, he like said, oh, really? No, that's not what he said, right? He says, so Haman, in the end of verse six, so Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. He totally freaked out. Now let's think about Haman, man. Two chapters ago, he was like on cloud nine, right? Woo! Hey, I got the permission of the king to annihilate these Jews because of that stupid Mordecai. I'm gonna take care of him. Everything's coming up great. I'm gonna go higher and higher. As a matter of fact, someday I'm probably gonna be king. And then the king says, how should I honor someone who's done such a great thing for me? And he goes, well, since it's me we're talking about, I would give him the robe, I would give him the the crown, I would put him on his horse, I would parade him around the town. (laughs) And the king says, okay, go do that for Mordecai. So that's burning now. Listen, now this guy that was so prideful and so gonna take charge is scared out of his mind. Now here's what I find interesting. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't try and say, oh, that wasn't me. He just is like, yeah. 
The king, look at the king's reaction. Verse 7, then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went out into the palace garden. So listen, the king is so distraught, he's got to go for a walk. Have you ever been in a situation where it gets so, so tense that if you don't walk away, you're going to do something horrible? And here's what's bad. A lot of us don't walk away and we do this something horrible or say something horrible. I love the idea that Ahasuerus says, I gotta go out. I, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna look at you. I don't wanna look at you, either one of you. I'm gonna go out for a while and, and I'm gonna take a walk and I gotta figure things out. And do you think maybe in his heart he's thinking, I was part of this? He knows he made the deal. He knows he made the deal with, with Haman. So he's culpable here. He's not completely, it's not like, whoo. He told Haman, hey, go do that thing, man. Go take care of those people that have disturbed you. He didn't know, he didn't know, well, he knew they were Jews at that time, but hey, he didn't care. He didn't know he was married to a Jew. So go take care of it. So he's out there, I think, trying to process his own participation in that and everything he's done. I think he's trying to figure out, how did Haman get to me? How did he trick me that way? And then I think he's thinking, how can I do that to Esther? I personally believe that he loves Esther. I know, weird relationship, strange, but I, I, I think he really cares for her. I think that, that he's really in love with her. So he goes out to the garden, now check out Haman. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. Really? Really, now he's, he's like, he's pleading, he's groveling, and it says, for he saw that the evil was determined against him by the king. Here's what he knows, man, I'm gonna be in serious trouble. So he goes to Queen Esther, and no telling what he was telling her. Please, 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 tell him, tell him, don't let him kill me. Please, 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 please. I didn't really mean to kill all of you people, you know, and if I would have known you were a Jew, I would have never done that. And please, 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 please. And you can kind of understand, right? And isn't it interesting how your whole character changes. Here's this guy that was bold, brash, pushing his way through things. Now he's on his knees groveling. And check this out, before a Jew. Whoa. He's the one that said, we need to get rid of these Jews. We need to get him out of here. Now he's groveling, man, and, and begging with her. And so it tells us, listen, it tells us in verse eight, when the king returned from the palace garden, or, or from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of the wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Oh, not a good thing. Like now, <laughs> you know, no matter what, how are you gonna convince everybody you're in that compromising position with the queen and the king walks in? Really, I wasn't doing anything. I was just groveling. No, it looks like you were doing something with my wife. You know, so I'm thinking it's double jeopardy here, man. This guy is in some serious trouble. So he's there, and then the king said, will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? He's going, I can't, I can't believe you just did that, right? And then it says, and as the word left the king's mouth, they covered his face. You get the idea? Listen, as soon as he said that, someone put a hood on the guy. I don't even want to look at your face. That's how angry he was. Wow. Now Haman's in the dark. 
got to be a little spooky for him. It's got to be a little hard for him. And, and Haman's trying to, again, man, it's, trying, it's, it's worse, I think, not being able to see those around you and how mad they are than, than being able to see what they are and how mad they are. So the king's just furious. What is he going to do? Just check this out. Now, one of the guys, verse 9, one of the eunuchs, now Harbanah, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, look, the gallows 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. So here's what this guy, now, you got to know, you got to know, how did this guy know that he built that for Mordecai? Because Haman was boasting about it. I'm going to hang that Jew on that thing, man. And remember, we, you know, all of this says gallows, like they're going to hang them. And we talked about it. It was more like they impaled them on a pole right up through the, through the rib cage and just kind of left them there dangling to die. So he's saying, he's, he's telling people, man, I'm going to put that Jew on that stick. Can't you kind of hear him? I'm going to take care of him. And he's boasting about it now. Harbanah says, hey, king, I heard he built this big thing over here, this big structure. Got any ideas what we should do with it now? So the king does what? He hangs Haman on it, right? The end of that verse. It says, so then the king said, hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. So, hey, that's taken care of. Now, here's an interesting thing throughout scripture. Throughout scripture, we're given example after example after example, and some of it just flat out told to us, you will reap what you sow. Over and over, the Bible tells us, and you know, there's multiple examples. There's multiple, multiple times it's said, even in the New Testament, right? Paul says in Galatians, God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And how is it that somehow we think we know better than God and we go out and do stupid things and think we're gonna reap wisdom? You sow stupid, you get stupid. I know some people say, don't use those words. It's okay, that's why we have kids ministry. They're over there. Why do we think that if we, if we sow to the flesh, we're gonna be spiritual? But this is not gonna happen. You will reap what you sow. And here's another prime example, right? What did this guy sow? Hatred, disgust, murder, what happens to him? He's hanging on a stick now. He's doing it. So you have that going on. Now, I don't know, you know, it, it kind of bothers me the way it says, then the king's wrath was subsided. It's not, I don't think like the king went, that's over with. I think maybe it just calmed him for a bit. But he's still got to, listen, he's still got to deal with some stuff. He's the one that sold Esther. He's the one that agreed to annihilate the Jews. And he's got to deal with that. And, and I'm thinking, he's thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I really love Esther, but man, if I never see her again, that's going to be okay because I don't think it's going to be good if I see her. Because she knows what's going on. She knows he was part of it. So he's kind of subdued a little bit. Then verse one of chapter eight says, and on that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. So here's what he did. Hey, sweetheart, 
I know I sold you, but how about I give you a house? <laughs> really? Really? You think that? Oh, she's going to go, okay, honey, no problem. I'm thinking, that's it's just kind of weird, right? Hey, I'm going to take Haman's house. You can have his house. And you can sit on the patio and use him for a decoration and look at him stuck on that stick and you can be happy from now on. I don't know. You know, it's like, you can have the house. And it says, and Mordecai be- came before the queen for Esther told him how he was related to her. Oh, now it finally comes out. Listen, now she's not just a Jew, but she's related. Her cousin comes forth who is really her adopted dad, right? He raised her. He took care of her. Got to go back into chapter one again get all that, but that's going on, and now, now she goes, hey, this is my cousin, and he raised me, he took care of me, and now he comes forward, and he comes up, now he was already close, so verse two, so the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and he gave it to Mordecai, and Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman, so here's what I think is going on, I don't think Mordecai really had a place to live, remember he was hanging out at the gate, and doing stuff, then he, then he was wearing sackcloth because of the mourning and the fasting. And now, listen, now she goes, hey, you can, the king gave me this house, I'm gonna give you that house. Now, here's what's kind of fascinating. He's living in the house of the guy who wanted to kill him. <laughs> Part of me also, I gotta think this. I wonder where Zeresh is, remember Zeresh? The wife and the 10 boys? I wonder where they went. You know, they don't have a house. And, you know, it's, it, the Bible doesn't say anything. And, you know, then his advisors, Haman's advisors and everything. So now, listen, is that supposed to make everything okay? You can have this house. I'll give your, I'll give your cousin, your, 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 you know, adopted dad, I'll give him the signet ring. That means he's going to have some power. I'm going to make him prime minister in a place like Haman and everything. Now, how are we doing, sweetheart? I think she's thinking, how do you think we're doing? Like you sold me. Remember, you sold me to be murdered. Now, in his fairness, he didn't know it was her. You know, we gotta be fair to him. But still, he sold the people. So I'm still thinking she's hurting a little bit. And then verse three says, now Esther spoke again to the king and fell down at his feet and implored him with tears uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, counteract the evil Haman the Agagite uh, of Haman the Agagite and the schemes which he had devised against the Jews. So she's on her feet. She's going, you got to do something, man. We got to fix this. And then it's interesting in verse four, it says, then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Now, I don't think, listen, I don't think this was, remember last week she approached him and he held out the scepter, which means you're okay, I'm not gonna kill you. I don't think that's so much going on here. I think what's going on is he's holding out the scepter telling you, get up, get up, you don't have to, give, you don't have to bow before me. Come on, stand up and, and you know, we're, we're good, right? I gave you a house to carry your cousin so you can just stand up and, and I think kind of that's a little bit of what's going on again. Not, I'm, you know, I'm saving your life again. So listen, she arose. Now she's got to say something. Look at verse five. And she said, if it pleases the king and if I found favor in his sight and this thing seems right to the king and I am pleasing in his eyes, listen to what she's saying. Listen how she, she's still showing him great respect, right? You got to love that. She's not saying, you doofus, you sold me. What's the matter with you? But she's 
Still showing him tremendous respect. And you got to kind of remember that. Hey, some people may wrong you. And you may feel like you kind of want to take them out and behind the building and talk to them about Jesus. <laughs> and you got to love, listen, man, you got to love her. She's still in that place where she's respectful and she's caring for him. And, and so listen, man, she says that and she goes, here's the thing, man. If I'm pleasing in your eyes in the middle of verse five, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are in all the king's promises. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Hey, you get the idea? Listen, this is a great picture of intercessory prayer. She's interceding on the behalf of her people to the king. Do you know you and I have the privilege of going to the king of kings and interceding on the behalf of people around us. And I think we so seldom take advantage of that. And she's saying, how can I go on knowing that my people are gonna be massacred? You've gotta do something. You gotta take care of this. Now we know from reading ahead and we know from the book of Daniel, we know that the laws of the, remember once they made a law, they can't, they can't take it back. They can't even go to the Supreme Court and fix it. Hey, it's done. And that law was done. That law was passed on the 13th day of Adar. They're gonna come and they're gonna slaughter the Jews. It's a done deal. So she's saying we gotta do something. We gotta, come on, King, think of something we can do. We gotta take care of this. And, and uh, so then the king, look at verse seven. And the king said, uh, King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, indeed, I've, here's what he's kind of saying. I gave you a house, right? I gave her the house of Haman and they've hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. So here's what he's saying. I've tried. I've worked at it but I can't change the law. What's done is done. And you kind of admire that about him. He's being honest. Listen, I don't think he's being frivolous or flipping about it. Look, I gave you a house and hung the guy on a pole. Is that, isn't that enough? He's saying, I can't. I've done that and I've gone as far as I can go, but I can't go any further. Hmm. Then he comes up with an idea. Then he comes up with something, and you gotta love it, right? His wheels are turning, how can I fix this, you know? And here's what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm thinking he's going, I gotta fix this, but how can I fix it? How can I, I can't undo a law, and then it dawns on him. I'll just make a law on top of a law. Kind of like politicians today, but hey, I'm gonna make a law on top of the law, and that'll take care of it. So here's what he says. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai, or I'm sorry, verse eight, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please. Here's what he's saying. Now you make a law to protect the Jews somehow. You guys write something. So he says, you make a law as you, as you, as you please. And then he says, do it in the king's name. Seal it with the king's rignet, their signet ring. And for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with his signature ring or his signet ring, no one can revoke. So he goes, you guys write something. You get it together. You take care of this. Now listen, I don't think he's just laying it on. I don't think he's just like passing a buck. I think he's saying, you guys know you're, you're the ground, right? You're on the ground. You know what's going on. So take care of this and use my my ring, use my name, and we'll get this done. And I kind of like that. So he gives it to them to do, and 
here's what they come up with. So verse nine, so the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan. So remember now, the 12th month is when it's gonna happen. So they got a few months, right? They got some time to get it together. In the third month, uh, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, and it was written according to all Mordecai commanded to the Jews, and the, uh, to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces in all, to every province in its own script, to every people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. So here's the, you know, kind of the same thing. Word for word, what Mordecai did, now they're doing, right? And they're getting it out there and they're getting it to the people. And then he wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, sealed it with the king's signet ring and sent letters by couriers on horseback riding the royal horses bred from swift steeds. And by these letters, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together and protect their lives, to destroy and kill and annihilate by forces any of the people or provinces that would assault them, both little children and women, and to plunder their possessions on the day in all the province, on that, on one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th months, which is a month of Adar. So here's what he's saying. You get the Jews ready and you tell them they can protect themselves. Now in the middle, listen, in the middle of verse 11, I know it sounds like, it sounds like he's telling them you can protect yourself and you can you know, uh, plunder and kill women and children. I don't think that's what he's saying. Here's what I think he's saying. You come against those who are going to kill you and all the women and the children because that's what Mordecai had commanded. You go annihilate the Jews, you wipe them out. So he's saying you take your stand for yourself, you take your stand for your women and your children, and you go and you get ready, you get armed, and you get ready. Now all of it's gonna happen on one day, why? Because one day, they had one day that they could come against them, that was the 13th of, of Adar. And he's saying, so now here's the deal. All the Jews, you got nine months to prepare. You can get it together, we can come together, and we can save ourselves. Now, I did read ahead. And here's the interesting thing, and, and we'll talk about this more next week, but they, they kill 175,000 uh, uh, Medes or Persians in that battle. And here's what some people, even here, some people get upset. Well, why should the Jews be able to protect themselves? What do you want them to do? You want them to just sit there and get murdered? It disturbs me when people kind of get into this whole idea. Well, they shouldn't do that. Well, do you have a better plan? Do you have a, a better way? You can't, listen, you can't change what's already put in place. And if you don't give them the ability to protect themselves, then they're going to be annihilated. And you know what blows my mind? That goes on today. It went on this week. I think we've gotten so used to Israel being attacked, we don't even pay attention anymore. And we just kind of think, I can't imagine, I can't imagine living near the Gaza border. I don't know if you've kept track, but hey, missile after missile's been launched into Israel. Israel goes in and bombs the people launching the missiles, and they get chastise for it. You can't do that. What's the matter with you? Why are you doing that? And it's just like this. And people go, how come they're doing this? Well, they got to protect themselves. And when they protect themselves, then they get in trouble. Every time Israel protects itself, and I'm not saying they always do it right. 
I'm not that blind. But hey, when they protect themselves, they're protecting themselves. And so here's the thing, man. You can do this and you can take care of yourselves. Now, now get a hold of this. Look at 13 and 14. And a copy of the document was sent, well, I'm sorry, was to be issued as a decree in every province and published for all the people so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers who rode on royal horses went out, hastened and pressed by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Shushan, the citadel. Now let's think about this for a minute. This decree went out. Does the decree actually change anything? No, it doesn't. How about the Jews reading the decree? Does that change anything? Nah. Here's what they have to do. They gotta act on the decree. And what I find interesting, it's written in every language given to the people. You and I are holding a Bible written in English, unless you're here and speaking Spanish and it's written in Spanish. But you, hey, we have the Bible and we read it. That's good, but are we doing it? Are we acting on it? You see, this, all of this that's happening right now is a great thing. It frees the Jews to be able to protect themselves, but they still have to protect themselves. They can't just read that and go, man, Ahasuerus, thank you very much. I'm glad we can do this. Hallelujah, have a little praise service, great worship, and then sit on their laurels. They gotta take action, and they're gonna have to do that. Again, it's not enough just to believe it. You gotta, you gotta act on it. And so that goes out to all of them now. Now, as I said, I read ahead and I, and I kind of realized they did that. But think about all through, and it went from, it went all the way from uh, India to Ethiopia. This went all over all the provinces. It was like a worldwide decree for all intents and purposes. And now they have that. Now they've got some protection for themselves and they don't just have to get annihilated. And that's a good thing, right? So the couriers, again, verse 14, the couriers rode on royal horses and went out and hastened and passed on, uh, passed on uh, by the king's command. And the decree was issued in Shushan, the citadel. So Mordecai, now check out what Mordecai does. You gotta love this guy. Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white and a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple in the city of, in the city of Sushan rejoiced and was glad. Remember what happened when the last decree was read? The people mourned and wept. Now what are they doing? There's joy. Because they know, listen, now they have hope. Now they're able to protect themselves. And they go from mourning to joy. You and I have that same opportunity and privilege. Again, reading our Bibles is great. But you gotta start doing what your Bible says. You gotta, you gotta start believing God and, and acting on God's word. One, one guy, Billy Sunday, I don't know if you ever heard of Billy Sunday, he was a crazy, he was a crazy evangelist. Billy Sunday used to get to preaching so hard, he would get down and he'd walk across the front row. I'm gonna try that sometime. You know, and he'd just be shouting and doing stuff. Listen to what Billy Sunday, he would jump up on the piano and he was, he was he, one time he stood on his pulpit. Now it's slanted, so that would take some skill, I'm thinking. So, but listen to what he said. 
He says, if you have no joy in your Christianity, then there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. I kind of like that, right? It's just, hey, these guys have joy. What, why do they have joy? Because they know that God has come through for them. And it always cracks me up, you know, again, when people pick on Esther, well, God's not mentioned. If you cannot see God in all of this, you need, you need better glasses. Hey, these people are joyful now and they're rejoicing in the city. No longer do they have to hide. Well, look at verse 16. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor, man. Why, just this simple decree gave them the ability, we can do this. Now we have hope. Now we have a possibility of getting through this. We don't have to just lay down and play dead. We're gonna go forward. And have you ever noticed as you read history, even current history, about this nation, this little group of people called Israel. How God always brings them light when it seems the darkest. The Holocaust, horrible, horrible, horrible atrocity. What came out of that? The birth of the nation, modern nation of Israel. God can bring beauty for ashes. We just need to be a people who believe him. We need to be a people who understand. Physically, what has changed for these people? Nothing. Not one thing has changed physically, but they have hope, why? Because they have a decree. They have a promise. You and I have promises from God. We need to believe it. So I, I just love that verse. Again, verse 16, I love. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. That's what you and I should have. We should be full of that, right? And then listen, and then it says in verse 17, and every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and feast and holiday. Listen, man, they're still, all they had to do was read that and they're going, woo, yes. They're not even waiting for the month of Adar. They're going, yes, we have hope now. And they're having this rejoicing going on and things happening. You guys don't seem too excited. Come on, this is a great thing. And then, and then it says, listen, then many of the people of the land became Jews because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Like, hey, last week nobody wanted to be a Jew, man. This week everybody wants to be a Jew. Now, I'm not so sure, listen, I'm not so sure they became Jews as much as, you know, the way it's translated as they, they favored the Jews. They're, they're like siding with them and they're going, this is a good thing. Do you remember when Ronald Reagan got shot? Some of us were alive, some of us are going, man, I'm too young for that. Do you remember when he got shot? And, and I even remember this on the news. I read this today, but I, I remember on the news. When they took him in and the doctors were getting ready to do surgery, do you remember what he said to the head surgeon? Here's what Reagan said to the head surgeon. I hope you guys are all Republican. <laughs> Do you know what the surgeon said back to him? Mr. President, today we're all Republicans. We're gonna take care of you. And that's kind of what the Jews, listen, that's what the Jews are, are, are the people are going, hey, today we're all Jews. We're with you. 
Don't you love, listen, here's what I like, man. This, this story of Esther was kind of like most of the story, right? Not a good time. I mean, I, don't, I didn't even like the beauty contest thing. You know, all of that was just like bleh. And you're kind of wading through this and you're going, why we need something good to happen? And then we kind of get to this and everything changed because what was written down. Saints, we need to believe our Bibles. And we need, to, we need to do our Bibles. We need to walk in them. And we need to trust our God. Hey, if he can deliver the Jews, he can deliver you and me. And if he can get us to heaven, I think most of us in here, I think if I ask most of us in here, we really believe we're going to heaven. We believe we're going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus, not because you're good people. If you believe you're going to heaven because you're good, you need to get saved tonight. But we're going to heaven because, because of the blood of Jesus. Most of us believe that. But here's the crazy thing. We don't believe he's gonna take care of us between now and getting to heaven. We don't believe he's gonna take care of our life. We don't believe he's gonna be involved with it. We believe somehow we said a prayer, he's gonna save us and we're gonna to get to heaven. Do you know that he wants to be involved in your life, every aspect of your life? He wants to be there with you. You gotta open up and let him in. And the way you do that again, believing the Bible and walking in it. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we do think about your word, I, I thank you, God. I thank you for, for your faithfulness. And as we, as we read this, what an exciting story. And just to read that they were full of gladness and joy and rejoicing. And it was all because it was expressed to them, you're gonna be okay. You can take a stand, you can defend yourself. And I pray, God, I pray for those of us standing right now in this room, and I know some are hurting, I know life can become overwhelming. And Lord, I don't wanna minimize that in any way by, by saying things, but here's what I also know, that you wanna be in the midst of those circumstances and those situations in our life. We don't have to walk through them by ourselves. We don't have to try and tough it out on our own. So I do pray, God, I pray that we would believe you. And as believers in Jesus Christ, that we would have that joy and we wouldn't leak, like Billy Sunday says, that we would have that joy contained within us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.